the very bottom of redemption is life. That the life of God be squeezed and expressed through you. As the bottom. What we received from God in salvation is life. We receive other blessings such as the forgiveness of sin. Such as wisdom. Such as prudence. Of course, prudence and wisdom are two different things. Such as the gift of adoption which is invariably the gift of the Holy Ghost in our spirit, will this, the scripture calls the guarantee of the purchased possession. That is, the guarantee that our spirits will live with God forevermore. So if there's anything, any dealing God is doing in the gospel, is to express himself out of us because in salvation God came into us through Christ and the end result of that is that he would manifest himself through us and for this to happen of course we must have if s and knowledge of what happened to us in salvation. So the goal of redemption, the goal of God's love, is not church life. And when I say church life, I mean it's not just about identifying with the body of Christ or identifying with a denomination or still serving in a department in church. These are good things. We are God's people. We have eternal life. God adopted us. He bought us. We are princes and kings unto God. But the whole aim of that is not just to have an appellation or to have, you know, a title to ourselves or an identity to ourselves that is so powerful. No. The goal of that is that we are God's people and as God's people we showcase God. My life is meant to be a showcase. And the end result of showcasing God out of me is to be able to capture somebody for God. So I am an influencer for God. A believer is an influencer. Of course, I believe you know who an influencer is. If you don't you know, just look at the labor market or look at the world of media. You see a particular figure, say a comedian or a public face, maybe a theater actor or an actress because of his or her prominence in the movie industry or in the music industry, an organization hires him or her to be a model or an advert figure in order to influence people to pass, patronize them in buying their products. Now, I think that whole idea was stolen from God. Because what God intends to do with the life he calls, he justifies, and he will glorify, is that he wants to make that life a portrayal of himself. So, you are a showcase. The life of God is not just 
what you confess or what you feel or a psychological outplay of religion or an emotional outburst in church it's not just jacking in the holy ghost and blasting in tongues it manifests itself through this but whether you have this life and whether you understand the manifestation i mean the outflow of this life is actually tested when you are under pressure so this life is actually showcased when you choose not to be ruled, not to be governed, not to be dominated by your senses, by your feelings, by your emotions, by your thinking, by your ideology. In other words, the Christian life is what Paul summarizes to be living by conviction and not by circumstances. So it's a way of saying that the reality of the believer is not the situations around him. It's not what is perceived. It's not the experiences around. It is the life of God that is found in him in Christ Jesus. And the only impediment to the manifestation of God's life through us and to actually taking our place as God's influencer, as God's representative, as co-worker with God, actually God is doing something, is that we are ignorant of what God is doing. And one of the assignments God gave to me for my generation is to make all men see the fellowship of the mystery. What it means to be acquainted and to maximize our call and when i say call i don't mean that a call to be a pastor when i say call i mean the gift of salvation what god is doing in salvation apostle paul renders that in ephesians chapter one that the lord and god of our lord jesus will give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing him in the knowledge of him then he went on to say that the eyes of our understanding that is our spirit or a way of saying that he prays that we should be able to comprehend to understand the full play out of why god called us and by the word calling in that scripture it means the reason for salvation so there is a reason for salvation yeah thank god for the blessing the blessing is good and great is exciting yeah thank god for the love of god by which he brought us to himself yeah thank god for salvation so great the plan that even angels seek to understand what it meant and they 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 begin to to envy the fact of being saved or being redeemed because they never fell they never knew what it meant to fall and those who fell among them never knew what it means to be redeemed but as exciting as a gift of salvation we have got to understand why and why is for intimacy fellowship the why of salvation is a restoration bringing back as it were the intention of God for a life without blame which an ounce and which is the platform the the basis of his relationship with us so the old game or deal of redemption 
is fellowship. And you know, we can't talk of fellowship without talking of intimacy. You don't know a person except you develop intimacy with that person. You know. And intimacy is a game of acquaintance. It begins with acquaintance. A person does not become your friend the day you meet him. He becomes your friend when you spend time together, drifting. You begin to change thoughts, change ideologies together, and you begin to reconcile differences, and you begin to tolerate each other. You begin to know the likes and dislikes, the nature of the other party. And as you do this, you begin to blend into each other. So, for the fellowship to be, there must be intimacy. And intimacy begins with acquaintance. And what happens in salvation is acquaintance. Or still is an offer. An offer is not the deal itself. The deal will span. But it comes by an offer. So salvation is an offer. It is a beginning of what is an unending relationship. Hallelujah. I have no other assignment to my generation than to plead and exhort her for the need to know God. For the need to press into God. For the need to be hunger for all of God. For the need to actually do what Apostle Paul calls work in the Spirit so that we cannot just suppress but take out of control the works of the flesh and i mean to say to be able to superimpose the life of god the counsel of god over your human senses because you are not all bodies you are not all brains you are not all you know flesh there is a spirit dimension of you so the whole deal of redemption is to awaken your spirit and to activate it to walk in the light of god's plan for you which is activating the spirit dimension of you that can relate with god you know a number of scriptures start coming to my spirit now i think the first is romans chapter 13 when apostle paul began to write to the roman christians that it is high time they put away the works of the flesh and they wake out of their sleep okay then another scripture is is is, is coming to my to my spirit Ephesians chapter 1, of course, where Apostle Paul talks about the fact that we have got to understand the counsel of God's way. Jesus help me. Jesus help me. Relationship with God. Connecting with God. Intimacy with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time to wake out of our sleep. It's time to be conscious of the life we have received. Let me read from Romans chapter 13. And I'll read from verse 12. Okay, let me read from verse 11. This is all the more urgent for you. Know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. What does Paul mean by that? Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. By saying that our salvation is nearer than when we first believed, Paul was saying that the time when we are going to be enraptured out of this body, as it were then, when he was writing this letter, is near. That is our time of being disengaged from this body. So in other words, 
we are only living temporarily in this abode we call our body. So if all you do is to sow to the body, to live according to the flesh, you are a small person and you will not touch the dimension of God that is on the inside of you. You know, John chapter 4 is coming to mind. Man is a spirit like God is a spirit. Jesus Christ told the woman he met at the well of Jacob. He said, God is a spirit and those who will work with him must awaken the dimension of the spirit of God that is on the inside of them. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to 28. God made man in his own image. So by the image of God in man, man is made in the similitude of God. He is a spirit as God is a spirit. And as a spirit, he can only connect God by the spirit. And you know, the only problem is that man is a spirit, but he lives in the physical world. He has a physical habitat. So he's more conscious of the physical habitat. And things became complex when he fell and he was taken away out of the presence of God, which means that the sensitive part of him to God became disconnected. And Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 to 5 describes the nature of the fallen man that he is dead to sin. He is dead and so given to his physical environment that he lost the dimension of God in him. And what gives life to that dimension of God in us is the Holy Ghost which came into our spirit in salvation. So when Paul said that the time is come and the salvation we have received, the, the quickening, the life of God we received, the, the um the soteria we receive from God now is now nearer. It's meant to say that our time of leaving this body is nearer than never before. Then he said, now you have got to pay attention to your spirit. And you see, when Jesus Christ was trying to trace the impact of the word of God in the life of a man, he began to allow to all certain things that could be an impediment to the full-scale bloom of God's word to the to the to the fruitfulness of God's word in the life of a man. And what became so interesting to me is that of the many things Christ mentioned to be the problems of the prevalence of the word of God in the in the man is that those things that actually hinder the flow of God out of a man are not even bad things in themselves. They are not bad things. They are legal things. They are genuine things. He calls them the deceitfulness of riches, which everybody has in a dimension. And number two, he calls them the cares of this world. They can shock the place of God. They can take the place of God. They can be idols that actually dethrones God and sit where God needs to take the glory. And as a result, they can shock the flow of God out of us. And by this, the goal of redemption is defeated. I have flitted a lot of scriptures before me. What am I saying? Back to that scripture. Paul said, Now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is almost gone. Now what it costs the night is our time of ignorance. Our time in the flesh. The life we will spend before we come to know Jesus. You know that is bringing the scripture into my spirit. I think... Um, First Peter chapter 3, where Peter was, no, First Peter chapter 4, where Peter was talking about our life before we became saved. So there is a life we live before we know Christ. And now that we know Christ, there is a life we are to live. So by the life of God, we are talking about a way of living. I like the way Bruce chapter 10 puts it. He calls it a new living way, which is consecrated, which is now the life that is given to us in Christ. So there is a life 
in Christ. It's not just a concept. It's not just a spiritual reality. It is the way we are to live how we live in this body. And as a matter of our salvation is the knowledge of God which in turn helps us to live as we ought to live. So as a believer, there is the norm of God for us how we have to live. So the night is gone and the night there represents our unregenerated life. Represents darkness, represents um, 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 the life we live before salvation, represents ignorance. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. Now, what is Paul saying by saying a day of salvation? The same thing he wrote about um, the he wrote about in Ephesians chapter 1, which he calls the adoption of our body. Or what he calls, um, he calls it adoption of our body, I think in Romans chapter 8. Then he calls it the, the redemption of the purchased possession, which means the, which means the liberation of the spirits, man, from the, from the flesh. So, you know, in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he explains it better. He calls it being, a, being, being entrapped in this mortal body. So, by the freedom we are liberated from our body. Glory be to God forevermore. Hallelujah. So when Paul said our salvation is nearer than we first believe, it refers to the fact that we are not going to live forever in this body. As a matter of fact, it seems to me that this body is just a training ground for the real life. It seems to me that we are just warming up in this body to live the actual life. So what is going to become our life permanently is what had been given to us to live as a model. For our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation is soon here as you are going to be removed out of this body. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shiny armor of right living. You, you got that. The essence of salvation. The end of salvation. Right living. That's the life. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent life for all to see. I am reading from New Living Translation. And if time will permit me, I will read from KJV so that you can see how it sounds in the ancient translation. It says that it is high time you put on the armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. So there is a way you ought to live. That is the essence of salvation. Don't participate in the in the darkness of white parties and drunkenness. Partying, white partying, drunkenness, or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Can you see even simple things that we don't count sometimes? Jealousy, quarreling, picking offenses. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge yourself in evil desires. Now, how do you clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ? Apostle Paul answers that in Romans chapter 8 work in the spirit. Also in Galatians chapter 5, work in the spirit. Now, look at um, Romans chapter 8 very briefly. I'm just going to show you some verses. Verse 1 So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. Because to belong to him, the power of the life-given spirit has freed you. So there is something that gives you the life. is the spirit. Like Jesus said in, in John chapter 6, the body is nothing. There's a spirit that gives life to the body. So the life that we live is a result of something, the spirit of God. So when a believer is not filled with the Holy Ghost, it becomes impossible for him to know the life of God. He may understand all the doctrines there is. 
You may have certain values, certain discipline, but you see that circumstances and situations arise that makes it impossible for him to translate the concept on his head to a life he lives. There is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus because to belong to him, the power of the life-given spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies of we sinners have and in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sin. He did this so that the just requirement of the law will be f- will be fully satisfied for us. Who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. What I want to pick there is just following the spirit. So we are followers of God. How many people today get excited and brag because they have a lot of followers? I don't know what we follow on the Facebook or on the social media. How do you follow the person you don't know? I think when you are following somebody, um, you know, basically, it should mean that um, you are following the trend, the lifestyle of. But now, you know, we use that word loosely now. To follow means to like what the person posts and to follow what he shares. But you know, following is not what, it's not just um, um, giving your assent to what somebody shares or what he posts. Actually, to follow means to, 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 to follow the footsteps, the lifestyle of. So there's a lifestyle. And until you know the Father, that is where I'm bending on. You can't speak the life of God. Apostle Paul said, follow me as I'm a follower of Christ. So there is no following of God except we see the Father. And you know, in Galatians chapter 5, Apostle Paul reveals to us the life of the Spirit. So if I am a follower of the Spirit of God, there is a life I'm to live. And if this is not lived by me, then it means that I'm not living the life of the Spirit. Then I can question my tongues. I can question my claim that I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is not just to give me tongues. It's to produce a kind of life, which is the Zoe, the God kind of life out of me. And if that is not my result, then my Holy Ghost is not genuine. Hallelujah. Let me show you Ephesians chapter 2. I just want to show you the nature of man. Before he meets with Christ, and now what becomes the nature? You know, one of the most beautiful parts of the scriptures is Ephesians because it shows us the heritage we have in Christ, what Christ did for us behind the scene, and then begins to challenge us to pick up the life of God. In other words, you can be saved and you are living contrary to the life that you have received. So we have got to understand the life of God. Maybe I will title this Understanding the Life of God. Seeing how it operates and allowing it to flow out of you. So I've got to understand. But let me show you a few scriptures. Um, Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Now what he calls disobedience here is not just saying that, okay, maybe your dad sends you on errand and you refuse to go and that's disobedience that's not the disobedience he's talking about or maybe um, your boss asks you to go and do certain things and you refuse to do it and that's disobedience that's not what he's talking about by disobedience here it means 
refusing the offer of Christ or the message of Christ, the message of God's love, refusing to believe that Jesus' work was done for you. And that is why our salvation also can is also called by the apostles obedience of faith. That is doing what the conviction the Holy Ghost has brought into your spirit compares to the which is submission to the Lordship of Christ. That is coming to the place where you know that your life is no longer your own, it is Christ. That was why Apostle Paul will write in Second Corinthians chapter 5 that those who now receive the gospel should now live a life not to themselves but to the son of god that is the life we now live like apostle paul put it in galatians chapter 2 verse 20 that the life that i now live i live to the son of god in other words that the life i live is the life of the spirit i am living to glorify christ but actually what i even call the life i'm living is not my life it is the life of god which he intended for adam to live before the fall so the works of the cross is the reinstating of men back into eden the presence of god where man is empowered to live like god is now here the scriptures tells us that we were want disobedience and we have many things verse 2 you used to live in sin just like the rest of the whole of the world obeying the devil the commander of the past of the unseen world actually what we live like and what our life lives or, or showcases is a life that we are compared to live because of the fallen nature and because we are under the dictate of the governor of the world which is the devil so he said that you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world obeying the devil the commander of the powers of the unseen world so the things around us are actually not ordinary they are controlled they are projected we are working under a remote control operated by the devil but what Christ did was that he stopped that influence of the devil over us. And since he stopped it, he does not just only stop the life, he, only, he also stopped the habit. So we don't just only have the power to live the new life, we also have the power to break free from the old habits. Okay? Now, it is the spirit at work in the heart of those who refuse to obey God. So anybody you see living contrary to the values, to the standards, to the requirement of God for us, the person is not just living because he chooses to live that way, but because he is under a remote control. The spirit of the devil is at work in his heart. And until he sees Christ as his only way out of that remote control, or that negative influence, he will die in his sin and he will be lost forever. And so that you will not be lost forever, Christ came and took away the same problem. Hallelujah. And you see, as a matter of fact, the devil has lost his control over you. But the reason why he's still influencing is because you refuse to obey. And what do you obey? You refuse to listen to his offer, to his love, to his kindness, to his provision for you in Christ. So the problem of mankind has been settled. They were nailed to the cross. Christ came to put an end to our struggle with ourselves and with loss with sin. So if you see that there is an emotion, an, an, an unhealthy, sinful, lossful emotion you are battling with or a thought you are battling with or a trait you are battling with, you don't need to battle it in your strength. All you need to do is to declare war against that appetite and go to the Father to uproot that nature out of you. That's salvation. And that is possible because Christ had paid the righteous requirement to make you free legally. Hallelujah. Glory be to God for heaven. 
Verse 3, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature, we are subjected to God's anger, just like everyone else. Verse 4, where I'm going, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised us Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Verse 7, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible world of his grace and kindness towards us as soon in all he has done for us who are united with Jesus Christ. In other words, a Christian is to showcase of God's ability and of God's transforming power. But the problem is that many people have just said a yes to Jesus but they have not allowed him to take a full control of their lives. You see from this scripture, how that the scripture made us realize that the death of Jesus Christ, which is also called the grace of God, the offer of Christ, and consequently, his resurrection was to put an end to a particular life we are living. But then, we are to receive a life as a result of that death and resurrection. So, the end result of salvation is to put an end to the works of the flesh. It's to put an end to lust. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have been raised from the dead along with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus Christ. So all of the possibilities of heaven in freeing us from the control and the influence in the world is made possible when we identify with the works of Christ. Alright, now let me show you the main text that um, I really want to show you as I round off. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read from verse 15. And really what I want to emphasize are two things. Apostle Paul's prayer for us that we should receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in our knowledge of God. And by this way I want to say that you can't maximize the works of Christ. You can't take your relationship with God to another level except you are empowered. You don't do it by flesh. Resolutions will not work here. Determination will not work here. Desires will not work here. Dissatisfaction with yourself will not work here. All you need to do is to ask the Holy Ghost to take full control of you. That's why Apostle Paul will always confront us with the fact that the life we are asked to live is only possible when we yield to the Holy Ghost. In fact, we are not even asked to live the life. We are allowed, we are, we are, we are, we are, we are, we are called or we are taught from the scriptures to allow the Holy Ghost to live through us. So the end result of salvation is that God wants to live through us. So Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read from verse 15. Two things I'm emphasizing. That we pray that God will give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That is, there are certain things about God you cannot be taught. You cannot just know by instinct. You cannot just come into conclusion of by your experiences and the circumstances around you you are going to know all of these things 
by revelation. You know, Apostle Paul, we often say that he made known to me by revelation. So that things that has to be opened up to you, you have got to be made to see them. And what are you saying about God's nature, about God's attributes, about God's name and the relevance and the workability of that name? And you have got to see God's um, life expressed out of you. So that's what I want to show you. And the second thing I want to show you is that there is the purpose of his calling. And the purpose of his calling is very simple. So that our life can be a showcase Consequently, a way of saying that so that we can live as we ought to live, which is righteousness. So the goal of redemption is the KUCNA, a man restored to live the life he is meant and created to live. So there's a life we are created to live, and this life is in Jesus. Glory be to God forever. So Ephesians chapter 1. From verse 15. I'm still going to read from New Living Translation. And I've chosen this version so that we can see the simplicity of the scriptures and to make the thoughts God is giving to us plain um, through Apostle Paul. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 15. Ever since I ate of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and, and your love for God's people everywhere. This calls for attention. These guys are saved. So Paul was not writing to people who have not known about God. They have received salvation. They already believe that Jesus Christ died for them. Then Paul said that is not all. You know, some people think that um, salvation ends the day they responded to a message preached in church and they were touched by and they went to the altar, they shed tears and they went to home. And ever since then, there's no personal time to press to know God no personal time to study, no conscious effort to pursue God or to desire God. No. Paul said your response to the work of Christ begins a work in you. So your response to the message of salvation is the beginning of God's dealing with you. And the end of this is fellowship. And fellowship itself is not possible without relationship. Relationship is not possible without submission of one party to the other, without acknowledging the lordship of Christ over you, without submitting to the control of the Spirit over you, and without acquaintance, familiarity. Familiarity does not mean that be, being used to God's ways. I mean, familiarity means that learning the ways of God, like the scripture says, it showed Moses' way. It is having a quest that God will unravel, actually has unravel, but positioning yourself, aligning yourself such that you begin to find out what God had revealed about himself and yourself. And as a matter of fact, the finding out of God's prescriptions or requirement for us is the finding out of your own life. Is that interesting? So Paul said, after I've heard of your faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for the saints everywhere. These guys had love for the saints. They were walking in love eventually. They were actually saved. They believed that Jesus Christ died for them actually. They were members of a church actually. They were workers in church actually. They were praying in tongues actually. But Paul said, look, this is not all. There is an end. That is the emphasis. And what Paul calls the end is the fellowship. Maybe we get there. Because, you know, this revelation of Paul is progressive. 
Verse 16, I have not stopped thanking God for you. He was happy about that. I prayed for you constantly. He was praying for them. What was, what was he praying for? I think they are saved. I think all we need to do is to pray until people become saved. And after they become saved, we can rejoice. And as, as a matter of fact, everyone too also would rejoice because they've repented. Christ said that everyone rejoices over a sinner that, that, that repents. Good and fine. But Paul said even after everyone had rejoiced over you, after you have become saved, he said, I keep praying for you because there is more. So God is in dimensions. And our life is... Our lives are in dimensions or is in dimensions. You don't step into a dimension and you think that that's all there is. There's a need for you to press, man. There's a need for you to seek the Lord. Like those women came to the tomb and they start weeping. They have taken away our Lord. There's a need for you to come after God, seeking his way, seeking his will, being dissatisfied rather with the momentary pleasures of now to seeking the things that will last for life. In John chapter 17, Christ calls that eternal life, the knowledge of God, the knowing of God. Hallelujah. I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. What was he praying for? Verse 17. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of him. So, the knowing of the Father does something to me. It changes me. It changes my perception, my interpretation, my representation of the Father, and my duties and obligations to the kingdom. Paul said, my prayer is that you will come to have the wisdom. That is, you will know how to apply the truth and the principles of Christ. Because you don't just come to know Christ. You have come into his kingdom. You are translated into his kingdom. And certain things are meant for your use. You have got to learn how they work. Okay. That the father of our Lord Jesus Christ will give you spiritual wisdom. And insight. That is you may begin to see in your spirit. It's a revelation. You, are, you have got to be opened up to this life. To be given insight. So that you might grow as you know the Lord. So, my knowing of Jesus Christ grows me. My body does not grow. My spirit grows. My knowledge grows. And when my knowledge grows, the way of saying that my spirit grows, does not grow in size or weight. You know what makes a mature Christian? It's not the number of years you've been in church. It's not the number of years you've read your Bible. You could have been around the church things and been around in church for years and you are not growing. Your growth comes and is measured by the amount of light. That is to say, the amount of spiritual wisdom you have been able to glean and the amount of spiritual insight you have been able to pick. These are the things that makes you grow. And this thing comes via the word of God, comes via prayers, comes via fellowship with the brethren. That was why he mentioned that after I've heard of your faith, not just faith alone, it comes with another thing with the law for the saints. Now let's read on. Okay. Verse 18. I pray that your heart will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confidence hope he has given to those he called. That's where I'm going actually. KJV put it to be that you may know the purpose of his calling. But this version I'm reading, the New Living Translation calls it coming to know, coming. I pray that your heart will be flooded with light so that you will understand a way of saying 
so that you can understand the confident hope that the unfailing hope the unfailing treasure he has given to those he called that is the day we became saved there is something god placed on the inside of us is the life of god which is the guarantee that we are going to live with god forevermore they say i'm praying that you will come to understand how this thing works so there is a way the life of god works there's a way it is released that's what i want to pick so that you can understand the confidence hope he has given to those he called is only people who are rich and who are is rich and glorious in inheritance god owns us i'm god's property Verse 19, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe you have God's power with you. These are the things you have got to understand. Understand God's power that saves you. Understand how that power works in you. Understand how that power brings miracle, brings air, brings provision to your life. So when you understand the operation of God in your life, you will be less troubled. You'll be less dejected. You'll be less de- despondent because of how things are not working out with you. You will be less under tension. You will see that all you have got to do, all you are called to do is to focus on the Father. And per time, He supplies all you need. That was what Christ was saying when He told His audience in the first century. He said, Seek first God's kingdom, where God is, and the principles of God, and how God wants to operate, and everything you need will come. The same thing reoccurring in this portion of the scriptures. He said, I pray that you will come to understand the incredible greatness of God's power that is towards you will believe. As long as you believe in Christ, there is a deposit of God's power. And how much is that deposit? What is the quantity? He says that this is the same mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler of authority or power or leader or anything anywhere. Not only in this world but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. Imagine that. For the benefit of you. Imagine that. And the church is his body. You are his body. You are his delegate. You are his ambassador. You are his, rep- you are his representative. So he striped off the devil. All the powers. All the authorities. He has. And brought the power to you for your benefits. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ. Who fills all things everywhere with himself. That is very simple. Christ wants to fill my life with himself. And the end result the end result, the end result of that is that it wants to flow out of me. Unhindered. Unhindered. Untampered with. Uninterrupted. So the end of redemption is a change of life. If there is no change of life, then salvation has not taken place. And when I say a change of life, I do not mean, I do not mean rather that when you become saved you get a work in a multinational company your salary changes of course this will happen as you begin to process and begin to labor to understand the full potentials of the power of god that is in you and this power is the same power that works in christ oh glory be to god this matchless power this power of god that walks through stephen 
in a kind of a wisdom that is matchless, that is unstoppable. I really want to say that is not that cannot be restricted. This unrestricted power of God that works in Stephen is the same power that works in you, the same power that works in Christ. So we are not less creature, we are not inferior to the apostles. The same power that works in the apostles works in us. But the problem is that unlike the apostles, we have not learned how the power works. So what do you do with the investment of heaven on the inside of you? How do you give expression to the life of God that is on the inside of me? Will people look at me and say like they say about the apostles, these are Christ-like people. They have so mingled with Christ that all we see of them is Christ. This is the end of redemption. That you may know the hope of his calling. What God intends to do and what is that? He wants to fill you with Christ. He wants to fill you with himself. A way of saying you are his image. You are his picture. That is when people see you, they say God. That was what Psalm 82 was saying. You are God. You are the sons of the Most High. But because you don't know, you can die like a mere man. So ignorance is one of the greatest attack to the provisions of Christ. And it works for us. Hallelujah. A life has been given to you. And you have got to live it. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. Therefore I prisoner of therefore I a prisoner for serving the Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Now mark the word worthy of. Worthy of your calling meant that matches, that correspond, that correlates, that is exactly like. Now he said, I am pleading you to live this. In other words, you can have this life or still you have this life, but you may be living far below or living contrary wise. How many believers are how they who are living contrary to the nature of God they carry. And the reason because they have not known the Father. The reason because there is no intimacy. The reason is because there is no fellowship. Look at First John chapter 1. John said we are writing to you because this life is manifested. So you are inexcusable. I said we have seen this life. We have touched it. And we cannot keep quiet. We have got to make you know that we have seen this life. Because this life is manifested. And he said the end of this life. Is that it gives us access to the father. It causes fellowship. I said the goal of this. Is so that you can be brought into the same fellowship. In other words. You are God's influencer. You are God's mother. You are God's showpiece. You are God's image. You are God's likeness. In fact, a way of saying it was how God put it. You are a man after God's heart. In other words, I am made to be a seeker of God's mind. I am made to be a follower of God. I like the way Paul put it. Paul said, be follower of me as I'm the follower of Christ. In another portion, he said that, brethren, be follower of God. We are God's followers. Christ said, follow me. Follow my footsteps. Walk as I walk. Live as I live. But how can you walk as you walk? How can you live as you live except you know the Son of God? That was what Ephesians chapter 4 was telling us later in the latter part. As you read on from the reference portion I have just made now, Paul said that until we know the Son of God, we cannot be the perfect man God intends we become. So the life of the believer is yoked in Christ. Until he finds out Christ, he cannot be who he is called to be. So righteousness is not just the gift alone. It's also the life of God that is given to us as a gift. And the end of righteousness is to make us live. And the result we see in righteousness is that we live a life without blame before him as we walk in love and unity. 
and you see you are inexcusable because God is not and does not submit this life to your morals, to your own training. He submitted to the enablement, to the energy he supplies in the Son by the Holy Ghost. So the more the Holy Ghost at home in my heart, the more Christ is expressed through me. That Christ will live in your heart by faith, that you are rooted and grounded in his nature of love. So the rooting of Christ on the inside of me is how fruitful I become for him in ministry and in my personal life. So Ephesians chapter 4. Paul begins to show us the purpose of his call. He said, I plead with you to work worthy. Now, the word that is driving me on is the word worthy. To match up with. So you may be living a life that is not matching up with. And you know, Paul is not just saying this coincidentally. Or he's not just using word loosely. The same word he used there was the same word he used for the Philippians Christian. He used for the Colossian Christians. So it meant that this is very key. It's a, it's, it, um, it's a very important matter to God. How I'm living. So whoever tells you that the way you are living does not matter, God is looking at your heart, is, is, is a lie. If truly what's in your heart is God's like, it's going to express in your, in, in your character. Christ made this plain when he said that out of the heart. Now by the word heart, the Greek word means cardiac. And by that cardiac, it also means the word new man. That's my spirit out of the being of a man. As a matter of fact, you know the being is not the body. It's not the soul. It's not your responses. Two things. Is your spiritual side, is your faith, your conviction, the Son of God? So he said, Out of the earth of man, proceed. So until Christ is rooted in that earth, the emptiness, the naughtiness, the stupidity, the loss in your heart begins to express. And I begin to tell people, You see, when you begin to see certain trend in your life that is ungodly, that's not godlike, then it's an indication. That the Holy Ghost had not presided over certain areas of your life. Are there areas of your life you are holding back from God? You don't want Him to invade. Can you make it your request that God will invade your life? Can you submit your will, your drives to the Father to take over? He said, I beseech you to walk worthy of your calling, of your salvation. For you have been called by God. You have been saved by God. Another word for call there. You know people think by saying calling, it means uh, you are called to be a pastor, you are called to be a prophet, you are called to start a church, you are called to do a ministry, you are called as an evangelist. No. The word calling as used in the scripture, it's not, used, it's, it's not to mean that certain people were called as ministers. He was talking, it, it, it's used to, to refer to, the, to, to our salvation. It's another word for salvation. As a matter of fact, there are different, I mean, many terms used to describe salvation it's also used to call to it's also it's also described as redemption as as um as um the the fruit of repentance or the gift of god all these terms still mean the same thing salvation your calling ecclesia being separated from the world they say you have got to understand that you have been called by god then he began to tell us what the life is. Verse 2, always be humble and gentle. This is the life of the kingdom. This is not an admonishment for you not to live certain ways. It's not a moral suggestion. It is the life of God that you burst forth in you. Be always humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's fault because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united. The scripture goes on. But let me begin to show you verse 12. Verse 11. 
will give us light into verse 12 downwards. Verse 11 reads, Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, their responsibilities to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So the church is a place where you learn about the Son of God. That you will be mature in the Lord. That you can be mature like Christ. That you may look like Christ yourself. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So there is a life. This life is, should be measured in Christ. Not by your morals. Not by your values. Not by your principles. Not by your standard. Then he said when you grow up to this measure. Verse 14 now says you will be no longer immature like children. You won't be tossed to and fro and blown about by every winds of doctrine. I want to show you another scripture. Um, uh, that same scripture I want to read downward. Uh, you know? Okay, let me read from verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused their minds are full of darkness they wander far from the life of god from the life god gives because they have closed their minds and have added their heart against them so what we are discussing here is the life god has given to us and what it is that life is driven from the life of the gentiles of the unregenerate now verse 19 they have no sense of shame they live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of immaturity impurity rather verse 20 but that isn't what you learned about christ so the life i'm to live is the learning of christ that reminds me matthew chapter 11 christ said learn of me so the life a believer is to live is derived from christ it's a life that flows out of his knowledge of the son of god so how close i am to christ how much abreast i am to what God had made available for me in Christ shows how much close I am to the Father. Shows how much I will embrace intimacy. You have not learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Christ and have learned the truth that comes from Him, what is that truth that comes from you? The life of God. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There is a life for you to live. I want to show you a scripture in um, Peter's. I think first Peter is also. I'm not so sure, but I'm going to check it right away. The Holy Ghost is bringing that scripture into my spirit. It keeps flittering and it will not go. So I want you to see it. Then we round off. I just want to show you something there. I think chapter 4. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Okay. First Peter chapter 4. I'm going to read from verse 3. Let me read from verse 3. Then I will show you verse 4. My emphasis is verse 4. Verse 3. Okay? First Peter chapter 4, verse 3. You had you have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. The immorality and loss, their feasting and drunkenness, their wild parties. You see, this word is reoccurring wild parties. You are always going to party. There's time to study the scripture in church. You don't come to Bible study, you don't come to prayer meeting, you're always going to parties. 
going to play game, going to watch football when you should be learning the word of God. It's a sign that you have not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's a sign that you are still under the remote control of the world. Because these are the programs of the world. These are the ways the devil influences men. The scripture said that you have had enough of this past life. These evil things that, that rules the godless people. Which they call enjoyment. Say, it's enough these things have ruled you. In fact, let me read from verse 2. You won't spend the rest of your life chasing your own desires. You will be anxious to do the will of God. That's the life of a believer. You won't start chasing your own desires. You won't start chasing your own loss. Then he said in verse 3, you have had enough in the, in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. Their immorality and loss, their feasting and drunkenness, their white parties, and their terrible worships of idols. So idolatry is not the only sins in the world. There are other sins that we don't know they are sins. So not everybody that bows down to idols or that belongs to one cult or the other or that is a, a member of one fraternity or the other or that is a witch or wizard that are people of the devil. Even people who give attention to frivolous things that does not accord to the nature of God in them. Look at verse 4. It says, of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunk into the flood of white and destructive things they do. So they slander you, but remember that they will have to face God, who stand ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So also, they were destined to die like all people. They now live forever with God in the, in the spirit. The end of the world is coming. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayer so one of the ways to unlocking the life of god and to living it to the maximum is for you to learn to pray prayer downloads heaven on the inside of us that's what i just want to show you that there is a way you have got to live that's what paul calls the life of the spirit is the life of the spirit so without the holy ghost you can't live this life second corinthians chapter 5 Apostle Paul said that he died that those who live now should no longer live to themselves. So the gift of God to us is life. And this life is in the Son, Jesus Christ. John said, I've written to you so that you will know that the life of God is manifested and this life is Jesus Christ. So brother, you can open up your heart and say, Jesus, take a full possession of me. Fill me up. Help me to live the life you have given to me. Help me. Help me, help me, help me to live the life you have given to me. Help me to live the life you have given to me. Help me, help me, help me. I open up my spirits. I want to be God ruled. I want to be God dominated. Help me to give my attention to my prayer life. Help me to be more deliberate about my study life. Help me to be more tolerant, to be more loving. To understand people, to be humble. There's no time I would have shown you what the apostle described to be alive. The Father, I've seen how you want me to live in righteousness, in life without blame. I submit to the Holy Ghost to live in me and to live through me. Lord, help me. Can you pray? Lord, help me. Can you cry? Lord, help me. I'm seeing the life you've called me to live. This is the righteousness of God in me. This is the nature of the Father in me. I receive divine empowerment to live it outright in the name of Jesus. To be right and to follow peace with all men in the name of Jesus.